We start out today's program, like we start out every program, three big things. And, and by the way, every radio talk show in this country today, except me, is probably going to lead off with the immigration story. We will be talking about immigration. That's actually in the three big things. But there are a couple other things I wanted to discuss with you first. Three big things are just stories that I think are interesting, talkable stories that you should know about as you start your work day so you can discuss them at the coffee closet or at the lunch hour, lunch table, or whatever. Our, our first one is a story that comes from um, Iowa, of all places, um, and Iowa City. And I've got a link to this video. The video is less than a minute. At w, if you go to WTMJ.com and on our main page or on my show page, you'll see you know Wagner's Jeff Wagner's three big things. And and this is the first of those three big things. The video that went viral involving this FedEx driver in Iowa City. So here's what happens. Thursday afternoon, Federal Express driver is making his rounds. Uh, downtown Iowa City, in their their square, in front of like the old Capitol, there is a ragtag group, and I say ragtag group of protesters. There's there's maybe a dozen people, and a couple of them are wearing masks. And there's you know one woman whose hair is uh, colored a color that's not found in nature, and, and they're standing around, and they are burning American flags. So. Their, their story and why they're burning the American flags is, you know, they, this is their protest um, against racial and social injustice and U.S. imperialism. So in any event, you've got this guy who's the Federal Express driver, and he's making his rounds, and he sees this going on. And so his name is Matt um, Uren. And so what he does is he stops his Federal Express truck. He gets out of the truck with a fire extinguisher, and I assume that that's one of the standard things that you have in Federal Express trucks. He gets out with a fed, with a fire extinguisher. He runs into the center of this ragtag group of protesters, and it's all captured again on, on video. He And then he just starts, he grabs the flag and starts firing off the fire extinguisher uh, to put out the flames. And then kind of a struggle ensues. He actually pulls one of the flags away, and then they start burning another one. He goes back, and he does the same thing. So like I say, the the whole thing takes maybe about a minute or so, but it's captured in video, and the video goes viral. Now, of course, you have the ragtag group of protesters that's standing around. They're, they're screaming at him, how dare they inter- he de- How dare he interfere with their, their protest? They're out there. They're exercising their free speech rights, and here you have this guy who's now run up and who's now taken away the flag. Well, immediately, a discussion ensues about whether or not FedEx should fire the driver, because again, that, that's not part of his job duties. He's just supposed to, you know, be driving, delivering packages, and getting involved in the middle of a protest and taking one of these flags away from one of these protesters and using the fire extinguisher to put it out. That's not part of his job. And so this huge discussion breaks out on social media. There's some people who are petitioning saying he should be fired. There's other people who are petitioning, petitioning saying he's he's a hero. And how dare Federal Express do anything to him? 414-799-1620. 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Okay, the driver, clearly, 
you know, deviates from standard Federal Express policy. He gets out of his vehicle. He goes, grabs. He saves one of these American flags. He uses the fire extinguisher to douse it, and then he takes it away. Should he be disciplined by FedEx? 414-799-1620 is the number. What do you think? We discuss next. It's 841 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Like I say, if you want to see the video, uh, WTMJ.com, up under our three big things. But should anything happen to this Federal Express driver who gets out of his truck, confronts these protesters, and saves one or two American flags? We discuss next. 841 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. 844 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, our first big story of the day yet Thursday afternoon. Federal Express driver in, in Iowa City, right off of uh, outside of the campus of the University of Iowa. He he's, comes upon this protest, ragtag, ragtag group of protesters burning American flags. He says, enough is enough. He stops his FedEx truck. He grabs the fire extinguisher that's in the truck, runs out, and and essentially grabs the flags from the protesters. I've got the video up on the website. Puts it out, um, you know, gets into a verbal confrontation with them, and then leaves with the flags. Some people think he should be fired by Federal Express. Other people think he's a hero. Let's start with Gary in Milwaukee. Gary, you're first. Good morning. Good morning. I'm a Vietnam vet, and as far as seeing something like that happen, I would not like them uh, burning any flag like that. However, you have to celebrate the idea that this country, and I believe this is the only country that does it under the, under the First Amendment and freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. So again, I would probably reprimand the uh, driver about it, a very a verbal one, and explain that to him. But you would yeah. not do anything beyond that to him? You, no, you wouldn't fire him? No, I would Okay, thanks for call. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty eight hundred eight seven seven one six twenty. Let's see. Uh, I have an email here. The FedEx guy is a front runner for the Right Stuff Award. Well, maybe Lyle and Keel. Lyle, good morning. You're on six twenty WTMJ. What do you think? Good morning. Hi. I think he what he did was exactly what I would have done. He's expressing himself with the First Amendment as well. I am also a war veteran, and I think. What he did was, I do compliment him for what he did. Mm-hmm. So that's my opinion well, on it, and uh, we'll have to go from there. But <laughs> Okay, well, all right. Well, I mean, he did. Okay, thanks for call. 414-799-1620, we, we all do have you know, our First Amendment rights. But at the same time, I mean, the protesters do have a right to protest. Now, my understanding is they actually got a citation not for burning the flag, but for, like, burning things in public, you know, which you, you can burn a flag as long as you can burn other stuff. But if you just start lighting things like trash cans on fire in, you know, city campus and on campuses and things like that, you can be cited. But um, so they did get a ticket. So technically they were breaking the law. But in this particular case, you could make the argument, I guess, that the FedEx driver was violating the First Amendment rights of the protesters in any event if you watch the video I, I just I kept thinking well okay maybe technically he shouldn't be engaging in a physical altercation with this ragtag group of protesters and taking their flag away I, I understand I mean technically maybe he was infringing on, on their rights but at the same time lo- looking at this I think this guy did what most everybody would have done sitting there saying hey you know this is a deal where this is a deal where yeah 
they might have a right to do it, but it's not the right thing, and I am going to express myself in, in my way. Now, interestingly, since this has gone viral, apparently this guy has gotten thousands and thousands of people saying, hey, we want to buy you a beer. If you get in any legal trouble, you know, we'll, we'll start a fund for you. Let's talk to Dwayne in Milwaukee. Dwayne, you're on 620 WTMJ. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure, good morning. I, uh, good morning. I don't think he should be fired. I do think there should be uh, some kind of... Uh, um, some kind of action. I, I I think as heroic as he may think it was, and as, as and I applaud him for uh, following his convictions and doing what he thought was right. I, I think um, there were other things that could go wrong with him leaving his vehicle and setting the precedent. Basically, first of all, setting the precedence for uh, leaving your yeah. your employment. In this case, his place of employment was actually his truck, right. and going to. Um, well, and he did get um, in a physical confrontation. So, I mean, there is a little bit of pushing and stuff. So, I guess you could ask. You know, I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's like, okay, what if what if one of these protesters gets hurt? What if he pushes him when he's taking the flag away from him, and somebody gets hurt, and then there's a lawsuit? It's probably not against just against him, but it's against FedEx, that type of stuff. Yeah, and I'm also thinking. I guess I'm reminded. I don't. I didn't follow the case all the way through, but I, I'm reminded of uh, an issue here in the city of Milwaukee where a, a city bus driver uh, left his bus yep. to go help. I, I believe a distressed. Uh, yeah, it was woman a woman who was being TV. assaulted. Yep, yep. Right, and and he was fired. Yep. I, I, I don't know if he got his job back or not, but when I last followed it, he was he was there was talk of him being fired, and I believe. Um, as noble as that was, I believe that was wrong for him to be fired, but I also understand bus policy. You know, if he had left the bus, he got injured. You know, what are the passengers on the bus and what, right. what have you? So, right. or if he, in, right. Thinking, right, or if he injured somebody else. No, thanks to call, or if he injured somebody else. That's why, I mean, that's why a lot of these companies have the policy. And I have no doubt that FedEx also has a policy in a case like this saying you're not supposed to, <laughs> you're, you're not supposed to leave your truck and get involved in a physical confrontation. There's no doubt in my mind this guy probably violated all sorts of Federal Express rules. I guess the question becomes, what, what do you what do you do with him? David in Mequon. David, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. I think the guy is a hero. Uh, he has his rights as well. These, these are punks that are burning the flag. Yes, they do, in fact, have a, a constitutionally protected right to do so. But so does he. There have been thousands, millions who have fought and died for that flag over the years, where it's been a little more than pushing and shoving in the wars that they've been involved in. So I think he owns a gold star for his actions, and I'm all for him. And I, too, am a veteran, and I sympathize with uh, the with, with this gentleman and his uh, predicament that he has with his company, and perhaps it's time for them to review their policy. Well, I mean, thanks. I see, and, and actually... To, to the credit of Federal Express, and, and I, I said again, they're, they're, if you look at the internet and the stories I've got linked to, you know, this shows like some of these different. A lot of people wanted the guy fired, but more people were, were saying, um, you know, no, we we, we support him. And, and actually, to their credit, what Federal Express did is that they issued a um, they issued a statement over the weekend, and the statement essentially says we have reviewed. The matter in Iowa City involving driver Matt Uren, he remains a FedEx employee, and we have no plans to change his status. So in other words, FedEx takes a look at this, and FedEx says, okay, you know, we understand. And, see, and I think, and, and as a matter of fact, as a result of that, people who are familiar with the story, FedEx is being bombarded with social media stuff by people saying, 
we're using Federal Express now. <laughs> FedEx is going to be our, our choice now because this is one where they could have gone the other way. And there are companies that might have gone the other way. And I understand that there's reasons why you don't want employees getting out of trucks and like we were talking about getting into the middle of confrontations. But this was one where let's give credit where credit is due. I think FedEx did absolutely the right thing in looking at this and saying nobody got hurt here. We have somebody who felt very, very strongly about this. And even though this might be a technical violation of our rules, this is one where there's no harm, no foul. So the bottom line is FedEx has looked at this. FedEx has decided uh, the guy gets to continue to keep his job and drive for FedEx. And my guess is we've got an early leader for the Right Stuff Awards on Friday right here. Coming up, we're going to talk about big thing number two, a Milwaukee man charged with a crime for shooting somebody who was trying to steal his car. Stick around. 852, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 855, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We're in the middle of our three big things that we start the program with off every day. About 15 minutes. We, we will be talking about the whole immigration flap crisis that developed over the weekend and how it could have been avoided and what it means moving forward. But big thing number two, in some states, you are allowed to use deadly force to protect not just your life, but also your property. Wisconsin is not one of those states. But the question becomes, should it be? Here, here is the story. Um, there's a 23-year-old Milwaukee man. His name is Dominic Sanders. And he has now been charged um, with a crime and a criminal complaint that came out the other day. He shot a man. And you might say, okay, well, what, what's the big deal, Jeff? He shot the guy. You know, he, he's been charged. If he did that, he, he obviously deserves to be charged. And if he shot somebody, and matter of fact, left the guy paralyzed, of course he deserves to, to go to prison. Well, it's not quite that simple. Here's the deal. Sanders, um, driving a car. He parks his car outside a restaurant around 21st and Hopkins um, about, well, about a week or so ago. And he leaves his car running while he goes inside to order food. Now, we all know this is the city of Milwaukee. This is Tom Barrett's Milwaukee. You, you can't leave a car running for 15 seconds without planning it for it to be stolen because crime is so rampant. But he does. He leaves his car running while he runs in to order food. While his order is being prepared, he goes back outside to his car. And as he's going to his car, he sees that somebody has gotten into his car and is planning to drive away. So this is another one of the typical... This is what happens in Tom Barrett's Milwaukee. You leave your car unattended for a couple seconds, and somebody comes by, and they are going to steal it. So he comes out and sees that there is a guy getting in his car to steal it. He runs to the driver's side window. He said he's carrying a gun, and he apparently he claims he has a concealed carry permit. He runs to the driver's side window. He's yelling at the guy, stop, that's my car, get out, get out. Guy refuses to do so. He runs to the driver's side window pulls out his gun, and fires numerous shots as the car starts to pull forward. The car then slows, hits a snowbank, and stops. The guy then runs up to it and pulls the wounded man out of the car. The guy, the car thief, the person who was stealing the car, was unarmed. Um, The man, Sanders, the shooter, he says, well, no, I, I didn't think I was in danger of being attacked. 
He said, I was not in the path of the moving car. This this was not a self-defense situation. He was simply trying to stop his car from being stolen. Now, under Wisconsin law, you, you cannot use this type of force um, simply to def- protect your property. And so that's why the district attorney's office has issued charges against him, because this isn't a deal where he thought his life was in danger. This isn't a deal where see, the man was trying to run him over in the stolen car. He shot the guy because he was trying to prevent the car theft. He was trying to prevent this guy from driving off in his car. That right now is not allowed under the law. Big thing number two, 414 799 That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Some states allow you to use deadly force to protect your property. In a case like this, should this guy, should it have been legal for him to shoot at the person who was stealing his car? Should he have been able to use deadly force to stop this? Now, again, the law, I think, is very, very clear that under these circumstances, the way the law stands now, he wasn't. But should he have been allowed to do what he did? Should this have been permitted? 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. We discuss after the news. If you're on the line, please hold on. 859, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We're right in the middle of our three big things. We start off every program with this. Um, We also, in addition to podcasting the show, we also put the three big things in advance of the show up on the website so you can get a head start. And Like I say, we have links to the various stories, including video. All right, here's big thing number two. We were talking about it right before the break. Here's the deal. About a week ago in Milwaukee, 23-year-old man with apparently a CCW permit, concealed carry permit, leaves his car running outside a restaurant on 21st and Hopkins, goes in to order food. We understand this is Tom Barrett's Milwaukee. If you leave a car unattended for any length of time, it's going to be stolen. Okay, so he's at fault for doing that. But he does it anyways. It's not a crime to do that. He goes in, comes out after he's ordered his food, and sees somebody jumping in his car to drive away. He screams, stop, don't do that. Guy gets in the car, tries to drive away. Man pulls out his gun that he's legally entitled to carry, runs up, and shoots the guy who's driving the car. Shoots him a couple times. Guy ends up driving the car into a snowbank. The man stays on the scene, pulls the car thief out of the car, waits. The police come. The police then ask the questions. They say, was the guy armed? He said, no, no, he wasn't armed. Uh, Was the car thief trying to run you down? He says, no, he wasn't trying to run me down. Uh, He was stealing my car. He refused to stop. I shot him. Now, the DA's office has now brought charges against the man of second-degree reckless injury for doing this. Under Wisconsin law right now, um, you, you can argue about whether or not this is the type uh, the DAS, DA's office used the correct discretion, but this is a violation of law. You are not allowed to use deadly force to protect your property. Some states let you do it. Should this man have been legally entitled to shoot the car thief to try to stop him? What do you think? Let's start with Tom in Milwaukee. Tom, you're first. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Listen, um, I have a, a somewhat similar situation that happened to me. I was leaving church, and my car was locked. Um, it wasn't running. And when I came out of church, this was like 8.15 in the evening about a month ago, all of a sudden I see my car door open, and a 14, at the most, maybe 15-year-old kid was inside my car beating the bejesus out of my steering column. 
I got within a foot of my driver's side door, and I said, what the heck are you doing in there without using any of the expletives? I understand, I yep. <laughs> and uh, my intention was, because he had his left foot sticking out of the door, if I wouldn't have said anything, I could have slammed the door on his leg and maybe inflicted some pain. In any event, he took off running. Right. Again, he's 14, maybe 15 tops. Well, I'm 65. I start running like an idiot after him. Well, he's about maybe two or three houses in front of me. He stops dead in his tracks, reaches into his right front pocket, and pulls out a gun and points it at me. Well, I lay down in the middle of the street flatter, literally flatter than a manhole cover. If I would have had a gun, I would have, I would have shot at mm -hmm. least, you know, did something to protect myself. Yes, I was threatened. This gentleman wasn't. Right. I don't think he was correct in doing that, only because of the state statutes. Right. But I think that if, if the, the law was changed, maybe it would act as a deterrent for either a juvenile or an adult that's thinking of even doing something like this and right. not being 100% sure that somebody has a concealed carry. So, or you, even right, so you think it might be a deterrent. You think if the law were changed, this might make people think twice before they jump in, they, they do what happened to you or do what happened to this guy. I believe so. Yes. What? How did? I'm just curious. How did your? Did they catch the kid that did this to you? No. Yeah. They yeah. didn't catch him, but they're aware of. They they had a the police had an idea of who I was this who I described. Right. And I haven't heard back from them. But then you know you got to go through the rigmarole of getting my car towed because my steering column was trashed right. and window repaired and. Well, but and you I, also. I, I, I thank God I wasn't shot. Well, that that's I mean right that's that's where I was going with that and that that's. You know, that, that is the situation, but it's, you know, I, I am somewhat sympathetic because in your case, you're talking about a 14 or a 15 year old. You almost always have to assume these people are armed, I think. In, in the case yeah, of this guy, even, maybe, I'm was, just, maybe I'm just too naive. I never even gave that a thought <laughs> until I saw the gun. Well, I'm sure you got adrenaline going. I'm, I have no doubt oh about it. Oh, my adrenaline. Gosh. Yeah, it's like, and, you, you and you're trying to catch something. this punk, yeah. You uh, talk about something puckering up in your body. This <laughs> heck happened to me. Well, t Tom, I, I'm, I'm, I know what. It's a happy ending isn't correct because you were certainly a crime victim, but I'm I'm glad it, it was not worse. But I mean that is one of the risks that you have. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. And again, I, I'm not criticizing the application of the law in this particular case because the law in Wisconsin is very clear: you cannot use deadly force to protect property. In this case, if the guy, the would-be thief, had tried to run the man down. He would have been, I think, justified in shooting. If the would-be thief had pulled out a gun and pointed at him as he was confronting the guy while he was in the process of stealing the car, I, I think he would have been justified in shooting. Here, none of those things were present. He was just using deadly force to stop the bad guy from stealing his car. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. Brian on the north side. Brian, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my yes, call. Yes, sir. With your show. Thank you. Um, Jeff, you might not like my answer, oh. but um, I'm sorry. I, I glad the guy shot him. Um, I would have done the same. I'm even sad he didn't kill him. I'm tired of people. I had my garage robbed, my cars robbed. You get to a point where you're getting tired of it. Um, look at your last caller said. Um, he ran after it. Uh, he could have got killed, and he would have been another victim in the paper. Now, now I guarantee this guy's paralyzed, which I don't care, this punk. Um, I, he, now he's probably going to sue the guy who shot him. He will. He's going to collect welfare the rest of his life, uh, benefits. I feel, I feel no sympathy. I got to the point, I'm tired. I, I got a concealed carry permit. Uh, if somebody, I have a 1970 Chevelle, I drive it on the weekends, I worked hard to fix it. 
I guarantee if somebody tried stealing my car, I would have done the same thing. I'm sorry. Do you, well, you don't. You don't have to. The, the question was, you know, should the law be changed? And so you don't have to yes, apologize. The law should be changed. Yeah. I can't even believe that. I don't know nothing about laws. I just know right from wrong and what I feel. You shouldn't steal, and you work, when you work hard for your stuff, and people steal it, your adrenaline's pumping. The guy's adrenaline was pumping. He said he wasn't threatened, but at that situation, somebody was stealing his car. He didn't know he didn't have a gun. He, that's what, that's the whole point. You get a gun now and get a, a, a concealed carry permit because you're you don't know if these punks have guns. Um, do you think? Do you think? If people were legally allowed to do what this guy ended up doing, apparently against the law, Everybody would it make the streets more? Would it make Everybody the streets more dangerous? Scared. No, it would make it safe, and these punks will be scared to death to steal anything. In Texas, people are scared. My family, some of my family lives in Texas. They're scared to death to steal things and go on. People sometimes stupid and do it, but people in Milwaukee, punks will be scared to touch people's property. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We continue the conversation next. If you're on the line, please hold on. We're right in the middle of our three big things segment. It's 916. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Nine eighteen, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ, the All American Window and Door. We love Wisconsin tour was in the cheese capital of the world on Friday. Cheese royalty, Jim Sartori. I love their cheese. Stop by our by our Plymouth visit to talk Wisconsin's official food. Head to the We Love Wisconsin tour page on WTMJ.com to see more from Plymouth. Eric and Racine. Eric, thanks for waiting. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Um, I, I probably have a different view than the previous callers. Uh, I, I don't think. As far as a car situation, no, I, I don't think that should be a law where you are able to fire off your firearm to defend your car, especially in this situation. His life wasn't in danger. Right. right. And um, I, I have a concealed carry permit. I took the class. And the number one thing they pounded over and over and over for the three-hour class, do not reveal your firearm and do not discharge it unless you feel the end result of the situation is death. Right. In this case, obviously, it wasn't going to get to that point right off the bat. Let me but, ask you this. If if the law were different, and, and again, I, I agree with you co- completely. I don't think this is, this does not strike me as being one of these cases where the, the law allows you to legally shoot. Some states, the law does allow you to protect property. Would the streets be safer? Would criminals be deterred? That's what our first couple callers were saying. If they knew that there was the chance that you try to steal that car and somebody might shoot you, would it make it safer? In my opinion, no, mm-hmm. because let's say the guy didn't have the best aim and he missed. Right. And that bolt went stray and hit a kid, hit a passerby, hit someone in a store. I think um, you're just opening up way too many wild cards and scenarios where you're putting someone else in danger by opening your gun, opening fire out on the street. It would and turn it, it th- that would be, in your mind, the idea that, that this argument that we would turn the streets into more of a wild, wild west if people were shooting at folks who had were committing minor crimes against them. Correct. And on the flip side, as I told the screener, now I'd be, I would not be opposed if they came out with a law that allowed you to protect your home if your life was being threatened. Mm-hmm where somebody breaks in your home, has you and your family at gunpoint, oh, yeah. and you need to pull and defend yourself, that, I think, is a different scenario where, yes, 
that should be a law. But as far as a situation where your car's being taken, right. um, I, I, I can honestly say if somebody, if I come to a car and somebody's taking my car, I'm going to look at their description. I'm going to call the cops and say, hey, this is a scenario. I'm not even going to front the guy because you don't know if that guy has a gun. Right, and then you, make, and you might the make the matter worse. No, thanks for calling. And again, and just to, to be clear, I mean, uh, with the scenario say, I mean, if somebody breaks into your house in the middle of the night, and this has happened before, you know, you have had homeowners who have, you know, shot people who are breaking into their homes, and those have been determined to be justified type of shootings. It, it, I mean, the distinction is, okay, if somebody's coming into your house at 2.30 in the morning, you, you don't you don't know what they're there to do. Are they there to burglarize your house? Are they there to, you know, uh, burglarize your house and if confronted, you know, kill everybody in the home and sexually assault your wife? You don't know that. So in, in general, um, in general, you do not see prosecutions of people who are, as a general rule, of people who are, you know, shot while breaking into folks' homes in the middle of the night. Now, this is a different situation because this clearly was not a self-defense case. And the guy... I, he, he was honest about this. I mean, he, he didn't claim it was self-defense. He just said, I shot him because I was trying to stop him from driving off in my car. Tim in Burlington. Tim, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hello. Yes, uh, I agree with the previous caller in that uh, in my still carry class, I was likewise told, uh, do not do not show your weapon or, or even attempt to use it unless your life is in threat. Right. And... Uh, my my bottom line is that I think that the castle doctor should go to cover the car. I think that the guy, I could go to the extreme and say if your car was parked outside your garage, your car was parked in your garage with the door open, uh, you live in a mobile home. I go to scenarios where the castle doctor, I think, should, should, should definitely be covering uh, the automobile. And people feel so, in our country, feel so attached to their car almost as much or more than their home. Uh, I'm not... And it does not, not got anything to do with it being on four wheels. Uh, I, I really think that uh, the fact that people are defending their cars with their weapons, uh, I'm all for it. Though the laws uh, currently do not uh, reflect that, I, I wish they did. Good, interesting. Thanks. For, and, and you're right. I mean, of course, the Castle Doctrine is the notion that allows you to defend defend property and it's it's different in different states and all that. In any event, the the DA's office has brought charges against this guy. My my guess is that this is going to be resolved without a lengthy prison sentence. I mean, again, I'm not criticizing the DA's office for bringing charges. I, I understand they felt they had to do it because, it, at least according to the allegations, if these are true, it does seem like the conduct is clearly in violation of the law. At the same time, it's not a sympathetic victim. I mean, we, we don't have the death penalty for car theft, but I do think, and you, you saw this reflected in a number of our callers here, that, that people are just fed up with, with crime. This idea that, you know, you, you turn your back for a second and you are going to be a victim. And in the case of our first caller, all right, you got some 14-year-old punk that tries to break into their car, pulls a gun on him, and, and they don't catch him. That, you know, because that's just the reality that happens a lot. And you know that that 14 or 15-year-old is probably out doing the same thing to other people. And sooner or later, somebody is going to get killed in connection with this. So people are mad as you know what about what's going on here. Do I fault the DA's office for bringing charges? No. Do I think that the way this is going to be resolved is without any sort of lengthy period of incarceration? A- absolutely. It seems to me that that would be appropriate. And I do think... I don't know about the facts of this particular case, but I do think, you know, the legislature should take a look at at the law and try to decide, all right, is is this 
is our law now? And, I, and by the way, I don't think people should be pulling out guns and shooting at folks, you know, on the streets when their lives aren't in danger. But at the same time, the fact that the fact that there is such frustration with crime and the inability of the court system to deal with that crime tells you that, you know, maybe the legislature t- needs to take a look at at least expanding this doctrine to allow certain situations. But in any event, I don't think you're ever going to see a case where it's justified to shoot somebody when your life is not being threatened. In two minutes. All right. It is the third big story of the morning. It's what everybody's been talking about all weekend. It's the whole issue with immigration and how it has been handled or mishandled by the Trump administration over the last 72 hours. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. He's a fan favorite, Packers Hall of Fame member. Why hasn't he gotten a call for Canton? Jerry Kramer joins the guys on WTMJ today at 207. All right, my best friend, Evan, every year, my buddy Evan Johnson writes a letter to the Hall of Fame committee talking about how Jerry Kramer should be in. He went to jerrykramer.com and bought us all these big old-style Jerry Kramer jerseys that I wear every once in a while. So tune in. Jerry Kramer should be in the Hall of Fame. All right. Our third big story of the day, I understand every talk show host in America except me, probably led with this story. I just kind of wanted to work into it. Over the weekend, on Friday, Donald Trump announces his policy with regard to immigration. And that the policy is essentially that he is going to order the suspension of immigration from seven countries that um, have known have lots of terrorists potentially in them. It is not a permanent ban on immigration. It is a hold with the idea that we want to improve and increase our ability to vet. Now, we discussed this briefly on Friday, and I I support that policy as a, as a whole. But the problem is the devil is in the details. And what created all the controversy was the way that Trump went about doing this. He announced this policy without giving a heads up to anybody at Homeland Security or anybody. And they had not thought out certain aspects of the policy. Most notably, what do you do with people who have the legal, who have already received the legal ability to be in this country? For example, somebody who's got a green card. So they have status in this country. But they are from, you know, one of the countries that's on this banned list. Banned list. And what about the people who have, say, green cards? So they're legally allowed to be in this country. They have families in this country. But for whatever reason, they're outside the country when this order goes into effect. So I'm, I'm from Somalia. I've got a green card. I happen to be back in Somalia because my grandson's getting married or whatever. But I've got my house in the United States. I'm legally allowed to be in the United States. Well, the initial application of this policy was people with green cards are not going to be allowed back in. We're going to, you know, we'll do this on a case-by-case basis or whatever. And, of course, that led to lawyers running to various federal courts. It has created, you know, all these different protests. It's created this huge issue. Jim Sensenbrenner kind of got in a, in a flap. He was having town hall meetings, and at one town hall meeting, when pushed, he said he supported the idea, even if people had green cards. He subsequently backed off on that. 414-799-1620. 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. What do you think about Donald Trump's immigration policy? Should we ban everybody? 
from these various states for the t- from these various you know countries for the time being if you have a green card should you still be allowed to be back in the US how was this handled what do you think i have some very strong opinions about this and we will discuss coming up next 936 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ in less than a half hour it's dealer's choice what i think is perhaps the most talkable topic of the day hey the super bowl is coming up can you even talk politics at your Super Bowl parties anymore? Uh, we'll discuss. Right now, we're talking about the big news of the weekend involving Donald Trump, uh, the immigration order. It comes out at the end of the week. It says, if you're coming into the United States from one of seven countries, all immigration is going to be suspended. That's been controversial. And then, at least the way it was initially being implemented, that also included people from those various countries who already had some degree of legal status. In other words, like green card holders. So if you had a green card, for example, you were, you were from one of the various countries that were listed, and you, know, you, were, you were overseas and you were coming back, you would not be allowed back in. Let's start with Bridget in Brookfield. Bridget, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Yes, good morning, Jeff. Very nice to talk to you. Thank you for calling. I, uh, want, at one time, also had a green card. I've been in the United States for 65 years. I came from Europe. Okay. Now, the, uh, the way I understand it, and when I took the oath to become a U.S. citizen, I had to relinquish my green card, and I got my... Right. Because uh, you were a citizen. Notice, Absolutely, sure. And I became a citizen. Now... In regards to President Trump, I believe that his uh, staff did not work on that executive order fully and explain exactly how they're going to do it and why. In regards to the green card, if a uh, resident, he's not a citizen with a green card, he's a resident right. of the United States, leaves the country for whatever purpose, he should be allowed to come back in. Yeah, I, I, he should be a little bit vetted, too. You know, ask whom did you contact, where did you go, uh, who did you meet, and things like that. But he should be allowed to uh, back in the United States. Right, because they've already been in this country, and right. theoretically you, you know that they're not risks. See, I, I, I agree with you, Bridget. I mean, I... I'm trying to picture a situation where you have somebody who's, you know, maybe been in this country on a green card for years and years. They're they're overseas for whatever reason. They've got a house here, whatever. They they have yes. established some form of legal yes. presence, yes. and now you say yes. you can't come back in despite the fact that they've been here for fifteen or twenty years. I it, to me that doesn't make any sense. No, but uh, I think that as citizens and as we talk here this morning, and other people will probably be calling you. We need to let Washington know that the law has not been worked out well and the information has not been um, delivered properly by step by step. This is a serious uh, problem and it should be worked out. Oh, no, I, I agree with you completely, Bridget. Hey, by yes. the way, when did, um, when did you become a citizen? In 1961. Uh. I uh, came to the United States in 51 and uh, we lived in Oklahoma. And my parents worked on a farm picking cotton because we had to sign a law with the World Lutheran Federation okay. that we will stay there for one year. But my mom got very ill, so we moved to Milwaukee. We are basically of German descent. Outstanding. 
Well, well, and we worked here, and my mother and I went. And I went to school to University of Wisconsin, and graduated in '61 um, with a pharmacy degree. And I worked 41 years. Outstanding. Well, Bridget, thank you for calling, and uh, thanks so much for listening. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty eight hundred eight seven seven one six twenty. I agree with what Bridget saying with regard to the implementation of this. Like I say, on Friday, I, I support. In general, this idea that we, we need to increase the vetting process, and it only makes sense if you're going to do that to say, okay, we're going to put a temporary hold on. But at the same time, I also think you've got to think this through. What do you do with people? And, and it was very, very poorly communicated. I mean, I did not realize on Friday, I don't think a lot of people did, that that meant that people who already had some degree of legal presence in this country who might have been out of the country weren't going to be allowed back in. And, of course, that's what's – there's all sorts of controversial aspects about this, but I think that is the most controversial aspect. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. Gary and Racine. Gary, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Yeah, good morning. See, I think it's a, I think it's a fine action that uh, President Trump took. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as as um, having thought it all the way through, you have to put a, you have to stop somewhere. It has to stop. Right. And it, when government goes, it's so involved, so complicated. You couldn't possibly cover all the the goofy scenarios that these people are going to throw at you. Mm-hmm. Now. You, you yeah, but in fairness, this wasn't. In fairness, this was. You know, this wasn't. This wasn't just a one-off. This was. There are are hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Le- you know, who have a legal presence in this country, like the green card holders who got caught up in this. And I think there was genuine confusion as to does it apply to green card holders? Not even in the Trump administration. I, I think they were sending out mixed signals. But 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 the green card issue has been dealt with, and green card holders are being allowed back into right. the country. Right. If you if you said in 120 days we're going to do this, right. what would happen to the number of people that wanted to get in here that could oh. cause problems? Oh, it would be a flood, right? I, I mean, I, I agree. And, right. and so that's a, that's a silly way to do it. I mean, that's we we have tried those kind of actions before, and people just scam it. Right. So you stop it, and then work out the details. Well, I guess, I mean, right, ex- except, I mean, here's where I disagree with you, Gary. I mean, I, I, right, I, I agree that if you would have announced, hey, we're going to implement this in 120 days, to use your example, then you would have just had an influx of people coming in to try to beat the 120-day thing. So, I mean, I, I understand that. And I actually, I don't have a problem with him, you know, issuing the executive order and making it effective right away. What I have a problem with is I, I don't think there were these details that were thought out and considered. And, and again, the, uh, we'll take the green card situation. As you saw play out over the weekend, th- this wasn't just one or two people. This was lots and lots of people who had a legal presence in this country who were outside the country, and there was all this confusion, and you had people who were being detained about whether or not they could come back in. And, and candidly, you know, the Trump administration sent out very mixed messages over the weekend. The initial things were, yes, this applies to green card holders. You know, then yesterday you had, no, no, we're not going to apply it to green card holders. I guess when you're going to do things that you know are going to be controversial, and I don't care if he's doing stuff that's controversial. I mean, as long as it's the right thing, that that's fine. But you do, I think, have to think through this because you're, if nothing else, your message gets trampled when you've got a media that whether the media is at war with the Trump administration, you know, we'll, we'll put that aside for a minute. But you, you know, when all of a sudden you have all these different stories about people who have 
homes here or people who have extended roots here who were on a business trip to wherever over you know a couple day period of time and now they're coming back and they get themselves jacked up at various airports and detained and it's not clear whether they're going to be allowed in or not that that's a big deal and it's something that I think should have been made clear. And, you know, you even saw Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner. I love Jim Sensenbrenner. I mean, he gets tripped up in this. He's doing these. He's doing a town hall series of meetings yesterday. And you've got, you know, one of the protesters there that pushes him. And his initial statement is, no, I, I, I don't think green card holders should be back in. Then at the next town hall meeting, after he's had a chance to think about it, he says, well, no, I, I, I've changed my mind on that. I, I misspoke. Well, I don't know if he misspoke. He just. I don't think it thought this through, but that was part of my situation. I don't think the Trump administration thought it through, and they certainly did not communicate it very well with this particular uh, point. Um, let's talk to uh, Jarrell in Waukesha. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, I definitely think that this wasn't well thought out by Trump, and if you're reading into a lot of the reports about how he's running his administration, it's just another sign that he's very impulsive that he does things off the cuff, that he doesn't think a lot of things through. Um, but one thing I want to Well, yeah, because this about, is a big red flag. Is, I mean, yeah. okay, if, if you want to say, okay, we're going to ban immigration, that that would be, you would think somebody in that room would say, okay, well, what about, what about those green card holders? Because there's probably a lot of them <laughs> that are out there. How are we going to handle that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But one thing I wanted to say is this idea that if you set a date, that you would have this influx of, of people coming in isn't really accurate. It takes... A very long time and this is something that trump has been hammering that's really a fault of this idea that we don't have a really vigorous thorough vetting system because we do it takes like i believe i might be misquoting it a little bit but it's like something like two years to get into the country uh legally to be to be vetted when it comes to like refugees and, and things like that and i know that this is a travel ban um right you know, but at the same time i don't think you would have this in you know influx of people coming in uh, i say i don't know i think you'd well i i guess you know who knows i, I think you'd have if you announce that i think you'd have a number of people pouring in from some of these countries asking for asylum and then then you get you know what's their status are we going to send them back but i i mean i guess i mean i i, I understand i i understand that i do think you you have to you have to put it in effect because um, you're right, you know, if, if you're going to go about the process of applying for a green card, it takes a long time. But at the same time, I, I do think you'd have people like seeking refugee status. And eh. so I, I don't have as much of a problem with that. Although I, I do think you, you need to get the, the system in place for for the vetting. That's the other thing I wonder about is whether that they have an idea as to what they are going to do and where they're going to go. Because I, I'm hoping this is a temporary travel ban. The, the reality is there is, I think, no reason to simply say, all right, just we're going to have a blanket immigration ban on people from certain countries. I mean, there, there's not. It is very fair to say, though, hey, we're going to do some extra background screening on people coming in from certain countries. So that's really, I think, what the challenge is. Um, Mike and Van Dyne. Mike, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Well, first of all, I, I do disagree with you. Um, I think whenever you look at government, uh, whenever they come up with uh, something uh, that they're going to do, they never, ever really work it all out before we do it. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you might be right, but that doesn't mean it's the way it should. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe I'm just, oh, you mean you think I'm just hopelessly optimistic by saying, gee, if you're going to do something, you should think out the consequences before you do it? Absolutely. <laughs> um, 
but, but the fact of the matter is, you know, when we look at that 65-year-old lady who's been, or whatever she was, who's been in the country 65 years, that's long before we ever thought that we were going to have this kind of a problem. Right. The fact of the matter is, I think we have enough ingrown terrorists going on, and I think that a lot of these folks uh, may have, you know, they're getting much, much better at trying to trick our government so they can get in. Mm -hmm. And I am truly concerned that uh, when we look at what happened in California uh, with that guy and his wife, uh, where else have people been in the country who are constantly working towards uh, developing more terrorists who constantly are are not uh, truly interested in being a citizen at all. I think it's probably, if I was a green card holder, I would think that, by God, you know, this country is, is, is holding true to the word. They're, they're concerned about terrorists, and if, if the fact of the matter is that we have people who have been in this country for three, four, or five years, and they're smart enough now to start working to get a green card, I see nothing wrong with vetting them when they come back in to find out where have you been, uh, what were you doing, why were you there. Well, and I, I guess, Mike, I mean, I, I understand. And, and if that if if that was what they announced, that would be fine. But that's not how they were doing it in practice. In, in practice, they were essentially saying, we're not going to let you back into the country. Um, if if the idea was you're a green card holder and you visited one of these things, uh, you know we're, we're going to do at least some follow up. And and I see, but this is part of the way this was implemented. I don't think anybody knew. I mean, you had planes that were being detained and people who were not being allowed to get off the plane. You had in some cases people who were detained without any knowledge for twelve or twenty four hours or, or whatever that that was. It just, I, I it, it just in my opinion wasn't well thought out. Um, but. But they're, they're trying to work their way through it now. 952, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I blame Dan Bice, Journal Sentinel, for making my head explode this morning. And it's, and it, it's, this is not a criticism of the piece. If you, if you moved here in the last 10 years, you will hear some of us who have been here for a long, long time and have institutional memories talking about the pension scandal. And whenever, as a Milwaukee County taxpayer, whenever I see these stories, it just brings it all back. Headline in today's newspaper, four Milwaukee County retirees receive pension backdrops totaling $1 million. What happened was back 2000, 2001, the then county executive, the late Tom Amott, got together with some of his cronies and they cooked up a scheme. Now, some people involved with this, including Amit, said that they had no idea that the effect of this was going to be what it was. But the county board and the people in the county executive's office passed this pension plan that they claimed would be revenue neutral. And, and what it did was it provided for what they would call backdrop payments to county employees. So the county employees, when they retired, would get a lump sum payment. But it also allowed them to continue receiving 
um, pension payments as well. And the argument was it was revenue neutral. Well, it wasn't. Like I say, people involved in cooking up the scheme claimed they were misled. They claimed it was revenue neutral. Um, it wasn't revenue neutral. You will never convince me that some of the people involved didn't know exactly what was going on because I will tell you, I have worked in government offices, and the one thing that is true of a lot of government employees, they know they know what their pension, they know the day they can retire. They know how much they're going to get. This is, I mean, it's a parlor game that, that people play. So I find it difficult believing that everybody was hoodwinked. But story in today's paper shows how that this whole backdrop thing continues to play out. It's got the story of four employees. One is uh, Deputy District Attorney Patrick Kenny. I know Pat Kenny. He's a good guy. Unlike some of the people in DA's office, I used to work with Kenny. He's a great guy. So, And by the way, I don't fault any of the employees for doing this. I mean, if the Scripps family walks in tomorrow and says, Jeff, here's a box of money for you, I'm going to take the box of money. So I don't fault the employees. I fault the politicians who did this. But, for example, Pat Kenny served 40 years in the DA's office, was a good, was a good public servant. He apparently just re- retired. Get this. He gets... They gave him a check for $1.34 million. Yes, my producer Hondo is going, what? Yes, he got a check for $1.34 million. It gets worse. On top of that, he also gets a pension of more than $79,000. Now, you would say, okay, somebody who worked for the DA's office for 40 years, a public employee, if they were getting a pension of like eighty grand, I, I wouldn't mind that. But they also, he also walked away with a check for one point. Three, four million under this backdrop thing. Um, former operations manager at the zoo got one point two seven million along with fifty two grand and it's all based on years of service and you know what your salary was. So this is going to be it's going to be killing the taxpayers of Milwaukee County for years and years to come because what you have is what's happening now is some of the long-term employees the folks that have been there for 30 and 35 and 40 years they're starting to look at retirement and they tend to be in many cases some of the higher paid employees I mean just you, you've seen this happen in the DA's office there's other people and again I, I don't mean to pick on Pat Kenny Pat Kenny I consider him to be a friend he's a great lawyer I don't expect him to say no but the, the fact that you had you know members of if you want to understand how screwed up Milwaukee County is, and by the way, there are still people on the county board who were involved in this pension scandal. You have a public employee, a DA, $1.34 million and a pension of $79,000. Former administrator at the Delinquency and Court Services Division um, who passed away, he ended up with um, more than a million dollars in a retirement, just a, a payout. It just stinks, and it's going to continue to stink for years and years. And if you want to understand what happens when nobody is watching government and what people will do, and again, I understand the folks responsible for this said that they were misled. Isn't it interesting, though, that when they claim to be misled, it never works to their detriment. It always works to their benefit. So if you want a story that just, especially if you're a taxpayer in Milwaukee County, that wants to just your head explode. And, and these backdrop payments are going to be killing Milwaukee County for years and years to come. I mean, again, I don't mind people getting pension payments. I don't fault the employees because if they're going to give you money, you're going to take it. But this was wrong, wrong, wrong. And it shows how abusive government can be especially when there's nobody watching. 957 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Dealer's Choice is coming up. Super Bowl is coming up. 
Do politics and the Super Bowl mix? Stick around. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Jane Matner, before you go. You, you always smile at me when I just, I'm just trying to get out of this. I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to get out of this room and this man stopped. And of course, there I, I always feel bad because then we, we just what I just did was we kind of breaking down the wall because we say we're, we're going over to the WTMJ 24 hour newsroom and actually Jane is sitting right across the way from me. So, but it's a fair distance. It, it, <laughs> it is a fair distance. Okay, you are a woman about town. Hmm. All right. Um, no, no, that, that was a, um, when, when you go out with your friends over the course of the last month or so. Can you have a conversation about politics? Well, we're all on the same page. Oh, so you, I see. So, so you can. It, yes, it's, yes, right. we can. So it's mm-hmm. it's not a big deal because everybody's everyone you, pretty much agrees. You hang out with like-minded people. In in this instance, yeah, they tend to be like-minded. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That that I just wanted to get the first country heard from. There, there I I have a link. At WTMJ.com on the Jeff Wagner Show page and our, 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 our main page as well, can you still talk politics in public? And I've got a link to a story that was in the New York Times yesterday, but actually it's centered in Wisconsin because what, what they do is they go out to Sauk County, Wisconsin, wonderful you know community, and Sauk County is unlike, unlike Dane County or Milwaukee County, which is overwhelmingly Democrat. Unlike Washington County or Ozaki County or Waukesha County, which is overwhelmingly Republican, Sauk County is really one of these. It is the ultimate example of a swing county. Now, there's not that many people compared to some of these bigger counties, but it's one that is is pretty closely divided. So you've got about the same number of Democrats and the same number of Republicans. And it's a fascinating story. That's why I've got the link up there. As they talk to all these people about, can you talk politics? Nowadays, now I was thinking about this because um, yesterday morning, I, I went over to um, friends of mine, and um, they were uh, my, my my buddy has four kids, and his wife was out of town, and so everybody was kind of taking pity on him, taking care of the four kids. Tom is lucky he has helped to do that, but so. Uh, a, a couple other friends of mine who I, I don't see as much as I'd like. They, everybody came over, and they had coffee and breakfast and stuff like that. And so I, I popped in for about a half hour just to say hi. And I would say that the, the, among my friends, I, I really have a very diverse group of, of opinion. I, I have very conservative friends, and I have friends who are very liberal, and I have friends who kind of swing back and, and forth. I mean, that are – that are, are moderate, and it, it's all sort of interesting. But I, so I went over yesterday morning, and the, the general consensus among this group was that, that nobody wanted to talk politics. Everybody was just saying, we're, we're just, we're on our last nerve, and it's just, we, we, we don't even, we want to think about this, we don't want to discuss it, we don't want to get into arguments, it's just like we, we, we're, we've had it. And so let's talk sports, let's talk how the kids are, let's talk, you know, how you doing, Jeff, all that type of stuff, but we're not going to talk politics. This is not the first time that I have seen this. Matter of fact, more and more, when, you know, I go out and I hang out with people I know, regardless of where they are on the political spectrum, or if I'm sitting at the bar watching the football game or whatever, and just because of who I am and what I do, sometimes people want to come up and talk politics, and the, the thought is, and, and then everybody else will kind of shout up, we don't want to talk politics, because it's just so divisive now. And, and everybody, do you like Donald Trump? Do you hate Donald Trump? Is he you know, doing great things? Is he d- the end of civilization? All this stuff. 
and I think people are genuinely aggravated uh, about this one way or the other. And that's kind of the point of, of this story, because they go out and they talk to all these folks, and they talk to Democrats who say, well, you know, we, we just, you know, we'll talk about this um, behind closed doors when we're with like-minded people, but but, you know, we're, we're, we don't want to be upfront about this because then people might not come and shop at our stores or vice versa. OK, this is what I call dealer's choice. It's what I consider to be the, the most talkable conversation of the day. This weekend is, of course, the Super Bowl. And people will be gathering to watch the Super Bowl. There's a lot of Super Bowl parties that are going to be going on. You know, people will be there to watch the commercials and, and all. Since the Packers aren't in it, it's not going to be as intense. I get all that. But. But when you go out, whether it's to your Super Bowl party or when you go out to dinner this week or whatever, when you go out to to hang out with some of your friends, can you still talk politics? Or has the nature of what's going on now, whether you're conservative, whether you're liberal, whether you're somewhere in between, has it gotten to the point that politics now has to be completely and totally off-limits? Or do you embrace the good-spirited political discussions? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line. Are you going to be able to talk politics at the Super Bowl parties, at the dinners? Or is it just one thing where because if you don't want to lose friends, you just know that you got to stay away? 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss next. It's 1014. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 16, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It used to be that people could get together and argue politics and talk politics and walk away and, and still be friends. I think that has changed. And Super Bowl is coming up. If you're going to have a Super Bowl party, does politics have to be off limits? And if it's not off limits, are, are you are you going to lose friends? Um, maybe your friends hate Donald Trump. Maybe your friends love Donald Trump and you don't. What, whatever. Are we able to still have rational discussions about politics without getting into fights and without losing friends, including friends among family members? 414-799-1620. Taylor in River Hills. Taylor, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for taking my call. Thanks for calling. This is just, it's a really interesting topic. Uh, As I told your screener, you know, we'll be able, we'll be just fine during the game. We're just fine in person. You know, it's honestly the keyboard cowboys of the same group of people that really get people all up in the air. People people will say anything when they're typing it on a computer, right. but when you're face-to-face with people, normally there's a whole different aura of how they, how they act when it comes to politics. So the discussions we find in person, but at the same time, if you've got some Facebook friend that decides that they want to launch off into into that kind of realm that's where it really you people get turned on or turned off absolutely the tone is completely different when you're in person as to on the computer when people will just say anything now both groups of people if somebody says well new england would have scored except for they're probably trump supporters <laughs> you know that, that'll drive both sides crazy during the super bowl and Maybe we'll have to throw that person out. But um, other than that, everything will be probably pretty civil with us. Well, that, thanks. Well, that, that's in, I mean, see, and that's that's kind of important. But like the the interesting thing that I have found is that people, like I said, they're they're just on their last nerve when when it comes to this. And 
it is all or nothing. You're, you're either all there, there's no nuance. There is no shade of gray to, gray anymore. You either think that, for example, the new president is is going to end civilization. Oh, this is just terrible. Or you think that okay, the, the new president is going to be the greatest thing since canned beer, and it, and it sort of moves. You know, it moves it in that kind of direction. And like I said, this this thing yesterday, I we just kind of all uh, agreed that, all right, we're, we're not going to talk politics. And, and everybody was just sort of saying, matter of fact, a couple of my friends were saying, we, we just don't even watch the news anymore because it's just so aggravating for whatever reasons, whether it's the coverage or whether that's stuff that, that's happening. But I, I do think that that's one of these dynamics that is going on. Mary and Grafton. Mary, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi. Hi, It's a funny topic right now because I just had this conversation with a cousin yesterday online. And you gentlemen before was very correct. People write just about everything on Facebook or any kind of a topic on uh, conversation and um, news. But what I always said is we should be able to agree to disagree, have an adult conversation, not emotionally get into it. And I'd like to know why people, um, for instance, this March for Women's Rights, my cousin was for it, and I was totally against it because of all the yeah. vulgar and the obscenity putting out there. But then my cousin said she's for women's rights, not that part. She was against that part. So I understood where she's coming from. She understood where I'm coming from. Protest is one thing. Rioting is totally different. But we should all be adults and agree to disagree with each other calmly. Well, but, of course, we, we don't have that anymore because, you know, for most people, Mary, and I'm glad it worked out with you and your cousin, but most people in an issue like that, don't the, the, the argument on one side would be, don't you understand that Donald Trump wants to, you know, doesn't respect women and wants to destroy everything women have gained over the last 70, 80, 90 years, and, you know, other people say, no, that's a complete overreaction, and you have everybody so polarized that you can't talk about, you can't talk about anything anymore without getting into these big fights. So, yeah, I, yeah th- thanks. For, I mean, I guess that's, I, I think this is going to be fascinating. Now, my recommendation would be, unless you are having a Super Bowl party where it is all, where you live in that bubble and all your friends see things the same way, which actually, I, I think in some respect, I, my life is, is much more interesting, I think, because I have friends from all across the political spectrum, and and, it, and it's been it has been that case. Um, and and there's some things you know you just don't talk about because it's just going to lead you, you know, down this path. But I, I do think I mean my advice would be that unless unless you are out with with people who again are in your particular bubble and and everybody sees things the the same way, I think you know it's probably especially right now it's best. Just to talk about it, you can talk about the weather. You can talk about your golf plans. You can talk about whether Tiger Woods is going to be able to make his comeback or or not. Um, but you can talk about the football game. You can talk about whether Ted Thompson needs to be fired if he doesn't go out and get a couple people who can play defensive back. But but this is one time where you know they always used to say the old joke used to be you know you never talk about politics and religion. Well, I, I think now more than ever you, you can't talk about politics because people just are so crazy about it on both sides. Bruce in Port Washington. Bruce, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Good Hi, Bruce. Uh, this is a great topic. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I have my moments. Thank yeah. you. What, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think people need to get 
focus back on the fact that 98% of their happiness in their lives has to do with security, wealth creation, relationships with their family and friends, and, you know, building wealth over a lifetime and enjoying the peace of mind that comes with it. And that has nothing to do with who's the president, right. <laughs> you know, and just let's get focused on what really matters instead of all these headline news all the time. Right, because at, at the end of the day, you know, while it's interesting to discuss these things, every your, your everyday life typically isn't going to be made better, worse, or changed in any material fashion by a lot of the stuff that's going on. Absolutely right. But all those material changes that can take place in a positive way are within in your control. Yeah. So focus on that. Okay, so your Super Bowl party, are you going to be talking about politics? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having right, right, right. Thanks for calling, Bruce. I, I get it, but but having but having, and you're exactly right. Having said all that, yeah, it's like no, I don't think we're going to be talking politics because you, you don't want cousin, you know, cousin Mary running off into you know screaming at you know um, Uncle George because we we've all seen that thing happen. You know, it's. It's it, it is interesting to me how this is playing out, and I do recommend the, the story in the New York Times again. They come out to Sauk County because they they find Wisconsin, and we're typically a swing state. And then you find you know one of the most divided counties in Wisconsin, and you talk about and there it, it is. It, it's people are really really wrapped up in things, and the truth of the matter is. It's, you know, whatever Donald Trump does or doesn't do, it's not going to be the end of civilization. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not. And I do think people need to get a grip on things. Now, having said that, when he announces his appointment to the United States Supreme Court tomorrow evening, I guarantee you that's going to set off the next round of people just going absolutely, totally crazy. But we will be here to discuss it. If you need a forum to discuss it, that's what I'm here for. It's 1027, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. Okay, I I have to tell you, I am skeptical. I am not necessarily sure I am buying what this public school teacher is selling. The um, o- Over the years, especially in Wisconsin, especially since Act 10, one of the ways that public school teachers have protested, the, the Walker administration, is they set up these wear red days. You know, wear red for public education because they're not allowed to wear buttons and things like that. So it's this subtle thing, wear red. And sometimes over the years, they've encouraged students to wear red, which I think is completely inappropriate using your kids as props. So this story comes from last week, Nina. Now, the Donald Trump's nominee to be the Secretary of Education is a woman named Betsy DeVos. She she is very, very controversial because she is a proponent of expanding school choice. So you've got a lot of the public education community that's that's up in arms against her. So what happens up in, in Nina is there's apparently a fifth grade teacher who last week encourages her fifth grade students to wear wear red. Um, now she says that she saw this website wear red on Wednesday to support public education. So she encourages her kids to wear red. Now let me just stop there. I, I don't know what a public what a public teacher school teacher is doing encouraging her kids to take part in what is a political protest to, statement to begin with. I think that's wrong. But as it turns out, this particular wear red thing, this was timed as a, a protest to 
the nomination of Betsy DeVos. That's that's what this this was. It was like wear red if you're a public school teacher to say that you oppose this particular nominee. So this fifth grade teacher says, "Okay, let let's let's wear red." Now she says that she didn't realize that this was a protest that was directed at the prospective education secretary, but. Regardless, I think my point would be, why is she encouraging people to participate in this, let's stand up for public education? That is a form of protest to begin with. The statement that the principal says is this well-respected teacher, uh huh, did not realize this had any ties to protesting the Secretary of Education nominee. This teacher shared the idea of wear red on Wednesday to support public education with her students and encourage them to wear red. Uh, no mention was ever made of the president or the appointee. The teacher was visibly shaken this morning when I shared an article regarding the political aspect of this day with her after receiving a parent call questioning where read to support public education day in one of our classrooms. Again, her intent was simply showing support for public education in our school system. Well, okay, my, my first comment would be maybe you don't want to use the kids as props to begin with. Secondly, um, if, if you're going to do this, Maybe you need to do a little bit of research as to what you are encouraging your children to do. Um, just saying. The principal says, well, the teacher is really sorry she did this. Um, good. She should be sorry she did it. Ten thirty-four. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. New research shows that the people who crack jokes at work aren't just the most well-liked but also some of the most respected in the office. Hmm. guess it depends on whether the jokes are good or not. Hopefully that wasn't a government study. Hopefully it wasn't taxpayer dollars that went into that. What are some of the dangers of being the office jokester? Get the whole story on Wisconsin's Afternoon News at 3.34 today. All right. Um, there, there is no question that in our listening area, you are seeing more and more crime being committed. And again, we, we can argue is crime down a little bit from last year or this year, or whatever. But we, you are seeing, you are seeing more and more crime being committed by by juveniles, and that that's where the real explosion ha- has been, in part because we have a juvenile justice system where we just slap slap their wrists. That that's and so you have these thugs who continue to commit crimes over and over again. I mean, you had the story we talked about two weeks ago where you have the five kids, you know, 15 and under, driving around in a stolen car, lead the cops on a high-speed chase, and then after they get caught, two or three of them are immediately just turned loose and sent back to their parents. Remember we had the Racine County judge who called up saying how, how just nuts that this system was because in Milwaukee – They've really taken away a lot of discretion from the judges, and they use this system that some of the lefty judges have created that says, okay, we're going to evaluate these things. But it's all about it's all about getting the kids back into the same environment that does not stop them from committing crimes. So you had this other story out of Washington County. Five of six teenagers are in police custody accused of leading officers on a chase through several cities and counties in a vehicle stolen out of Racine. Fox 6 reporting that most of the teenagers are, no surprise, they are from Milwaukee. This happened, what, last week? They were originally stopped because the wrong license plates were displayed on the car, but soon began a multi-jurisdictional effort to bring them to a stop. Um, What happens is... 
a Washington County deputy locates the car, tries to get the driver to stop. They continue to flee on I-41. Deputies and police attempted to get the cars to stop by deflating tires. Pursuit continued into the village of Germantown. There, ultimately, the car stops in a ditch um, right by Menominee Falls. You have, again, these are kids that are driving. Four of the six suspects run from the car after the pursuit ends. Foot chase ensues. We have five of the six in custody, and they're trying to determine who was where. But again, this is another one of these situations where you have these punks that are out there in a stolen car taking off and, and running. And unfortunately, nothing is going to happen to them of any consequence until until they go out and they do something really, really bad. And then there's no choice, which brings me to this story. You might remember, the the guy's name is Avon Kidder, and he's now 18. But but this this happened last year when he was 17, so it's still a juvenile. Um, This is the way the Journal Sentinel reported it. As a carjacker took off in her Audi, she de- desperately clung to the door handle and got dragged down the street until she could no longer keep a grip. Elizabeth Gerke wasn't just trying to save her car. Her young infant son was inside, her month-old son. You know, what happens is you have this, this punk who decides he's going to steal the car, doesn't realize that there is a child in the back and then you know drives off and so the this this mother you know she's like holding on you know as she's trying to hold on as the guy is driving away in th- this car and of course you know here you have somebody who is not just the carjacking here but also apparently has been involved in a, a lengthy series of crimes they say from May 21st to May 24th Kidder another 18 year old and a juvenile robbed a pizza delivery driver, carjacked this woman and another victim, shot up another man's car during an attempted robbery, robbed another man at gunpoint, and stripped him of his clothing, and fired at three other men in a drive-by shooting. Quite an interesting three days. 17-year-old, together with another juvenile and a guy who's 18, carjacks the woman with the kid, robs a pizza delivery driver, shoots up another man's car during an attempted robbery, robs another man at gunpoint, strips him of his clothing, and fired at three other men in a drive-by shooting. Now, I am unclear, unclear about, well, the story says they have no prior record, which is kind of interesting that you just wake up one morning at the age of 17 and decide that I am going to go on this type of, of spree. But anyhow, guy gets convicted, appears in front of a judge, Milwaukee County judge. Now he's 18, and he is sentenced to 15 years in prison. So he commits the crime at 17. He's now 18. He's sentenced to 15 years in prison, followed by 10 years of extended supervision. So if he serves most or all of his sentence, he will you know, be in his early 30s when he gets out for um, this this crime spree. Okay, I want to open up the phone lines. Our numbers are 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Guy was 17 when he committed this string of crimes, and it was it was a heck of a few days. 15 years in prison. Is that too harsh? Is it not harsh enough? Or does it strike you about being as being just about right? 414-799-1620, 800 
877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Don't know anything about the guy's background. Um, my guess is, as typically happens, you know, people who are committing these crimes come from, you know, not good home environments. But they're out there with these committing these crimes. In this case, the guy got caught. He's going to prison for 15 years for stuff he did at the age of 17. Is that too harsh? Is that too much of a penalty? Should we give him a second chance? Or does that strike you about as being just about right? Or is it is it not long enough? 1041, Jeff Wagner, 620, WTMJ. We discuss next, 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Forty-four, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Uh, I think the punishment is a little bit too lenient. Uh, I actually think that what should happen, and I don't want to be, you know, uh, judgmental, but uh, <laughs> well, you, you can be judgmental. Did. The guy carjacked the woman okay. with a with a child in the back, shot at other people. I mean, we we have the right to be judgmental about you know these thugs okay. that are committing these crimes. Uh, so be judgmental. <laughs> I'll be judgmental. I think it's very too much lenient, and I think that he should get a harsher punishment and be more or less an example for other people thinking about doing this kind of stuff, right. to be in jail for a long time and not being able to be out on the street partying with their friends. So you say, I, think, I mean, uh, you say when I you really commit crimes like this, warehouse them, essentially. Absolutely, and I think tax dollars should go to building more prisons. Well, I mean, at some point in time, see, this is one of, and this is why I find this to be interesting. And I understand he was 17. A lot of times you have these crimes committed by people who are 13, 14, and 15. But but one of the big problems in the, the system is that you, you do not have a degree of accountability. You have people that go out and commit crime after crime after crime. Now, this appears to be the exception because my understanding is no significant criminal record, if any criminal record, before this. And so th- this is the big time. But at the same time, there needs to be a degree of accountability. And if you're going to go out, you're going to commit crimes with guns, and you're going to steal people's cars and do all this other stuff, and you're going to carjack people, well, right, there needs to be, you need to go away, and you need to go away for a long time. Dave in Oak Creek. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Uh, Well, for somebody of this age, I think the sentence, especially with the extended supervision afterwards, is fairly appropriate. Now, this guy was in his, at least in his 20s, then I would say he deserves to be behind bars a lot, lot longer. Right. But what's getting me is, and it just is screaming in my head, is why are these kids that are basically of high school age, what is the culture that is prompting them to do this in the first place? It's just mind-boggling to me. Why is this not happening in other parts of wisconsin oh no right i think that's fair and you know and and it's almost always not always but almost always you see these crimes committed by kids out and i say kids juveniles out, out of milwaukee and it's starting to spread through the area not not always but you know when you hear these stories about the carjackings or the car crashes or the stolen cars and the high speed chases Regardless of where it ends up, it's almost always kids from Milwaukee who've done this. And you're, you're right. There is, you don't, I've, 
I mean, I'm not saying I've never seen a story about that out of Ozaki or Washington County, but it's almost never that. It's people from Milwaukee who are out committing these crimes in other jurisdictions or in Milwaukee. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's just the, the pure, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, you know, the mentality of even contemplating this, let alone yeah. even do you know doing it, is just, like I said, I just don't understand it. What is it that is mentally happening with a certain segment of our population? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's no respect for authority. Um, in, in many cases, it's probably, you know, new, no fear of consequences. Um, it's... I think probably, you know, it starts with a lack of family structure, wherever that is, because, and my guess, Dave, is one of the reasons it would never have occurred to you, for example, at the age of 17, to go carjack a woman is because that's not how you were raised by, you know, mom and dad. Yeah, I I understand that, and, uh, but there's still, I'm just wondering, because, uh, and I'm just speaking, of course, for myself, is just this intrinsic sense of goodness that regardless of uh, the atmosphere or climate, it's just not something I have this propensity towards doing. Well, right, and a sense of right and wrong. No, th- thanks for the call. I mean, I think there is a certain amorality, just, just this inability to distinguish right and wrong. You couple it with, like, no impulse control at all, and it leads to these it leads to these things. And, I mean, what was it last week or the week before last? Week before last, end of the week before last. You know, we had two situations within 48 hours of young people driving stolen cars. They speed away from the cops at high speed, and they all end up dead because, you know, they slam into light poles or they lose control or, or whatever. And you'd like to think that maybe the word gets out that there's going to be consequences for it. But as I said in the promo for today's show, you know, an, another day, you know, another car crash. And it's the same thing. We're going to steal the car. We're going to run from the cops. Um, you know, once we crash the van or the vehicle, we're going to get out and we're going to run. It's just no sense as to you know where the future is going to be jen in waukesha jen good morning you're on 620 wtmj hi jeff hi jen um i'm i grew up in waukesha um and i'm white and i when i turned 18 i kind of went off and did a whole bunch of crazy things that you know my family could not really quite understand because i wasn't exposed to that or raised like that but i think that's a lot of people's inability to grasp how these kids could come to live this kind of a lifestyle is the, you know, the phantom, you know, white privilege. White privilege, Um, okay. Yes, because it's something that I never did have to experience. You know, when I get pulled over, I'm, I'm a white female, I get the benefit of the doubt. You know, if you're a black male, I think they don't have enough positive role models. A lot of them may have their dads may be in prison or maybe they never met their dads. They're being raised by single moms who are, you know, either on welfare or working multiple jobs. Um, there's lots of crime around the city. There's 50% unemployment mm-hmm. rates on black males that, um, you know, there's a failing public school system in Milwaukee that a lot of these kids don't really have a lot of, you know, right. Well, right. See, and, and I, see, I agree with every, I guess you you lost me at white privilege, but I, I understand what you're because I. But I understand what you're talking about now. I mean, it's, it's the whole situation where you have uh, people. And thanks to call Jennifer, your, your cell phone is kind of cutting out on us. The 
but I mean, I understand you kind of lost me at white privilege. Oh, I mean, so that's, gee, you know, I, I think that there's, I, I don't know, I, I'm not as well off as somebody else, so that gives me an excuse to go steal cars and stick guns in people's faces. I'm sorry, I, there's lots and lots of people who grow up in economically challenged circumstances who, who don't turn to lives of crime. Now, the, the other thing, you know, that you're talking about, you know, situations where you have single parent families and don't I, I, I appreciate I appreciate that there's lots and lots of single parents out there that do a great job. But let, let's face it, it's tough to raise kids, and it's better if you come from an, inst- an intact, loving two-parent family. I think that's just the reality. It's not a knock on single parents. But, you know, situations where the parents are plugged out or plugged out or, you know, you, you don't have that involvement that's there, and you have a failing public school system in some respects, and you have this culture where there is this frustration and, gee, my, my entire life, I don't see any hope for me. And so I understand that that all contributes to this type of, of thing. But, you know, have, having said that, you know, having said that, I don't know how you get the word out that, you know, if you continue to engage in this antisocial behavior, there's going to be huge consequences, and those consequences aren't going to be good. In this particular case, I actually think the judge got it pretty much right. I mean, the guy's 17 or 18. He didn't kill anybody. Um, certainly, he endangered people's lives with reckless behavior, and he needs to he needs to have consequences. And those consequences are he's got to go to prison for a lengthy period of time. And the truth is, you know, 15 years... Even if you get some good time, you know, the, the truth is you are a different person at 17 than you are at the age of 30. So there need to be consequences. Do I think that you gain much by taking somebody like this and putting them in prison for 20 or 30 years? Probably not. I mean, I would save those type of sentences for the the folks who've, who've actually gone out and who, who've shot people and things like that. Now, I understand the guy apparently was involved in shooting at people, so there but for the grace of God, it could have been a lot worse. But I, I think for somebody 17 or 18 years uh, old, a 15-year sentence is a long time, and I, I think that's that's appropriate. I would actually like to see more sentences like this to hold people accountable. And then, 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 you know, maybe you get their attention. It's 1053, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1056, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's a growing threat, but you may not be the target. Identity theft of children is taking center stage. The guys have the story at 135 this afternoon on WTMJ Today. In that regard, over the weekend, USA Today had the story. Hondo, who's producing the show today and always. Have you heard about this This latest, the, the Can You Hear Me phone scam? No, you have not. Okay, well, this is... Now, we talk about phone scams all the time. I, you know, I was telling the story about a month ago. I was getting the, the semi-threatening phone calls. This is the IRS, and we're going to file charges against you. And that, that's a scam. The IRS does not do that. But, but you know, it's so threatening. You know, it's unless you call this particular number, and some people do. Well, this is the latest scam. It's, and this is the way USA Today reports it. A growing, can you hear me, phone scam can make you a victim if you utter just one word. That word being yes. Here's the way it works. Um, According to the Better Business Bureau, you you get your phone rings. You don't recognize the number, but you answer it. An automated call then provides an introduction and identifies a business or agency. This is Hondo's widgets, right? Then, after they've identified, this is Hondo's widgets. The recording says, can you hear clearly? This is Hondo's widgets calling, can you hear clearly? 
If you answer yes, what's happened is the scammer behind the call might have recorded you and then could plan to use your the, the fact that you said yes to sign you up for a product or service you never knew about and then will demand payment if you refuse. And the way it works is the scammer might produce your recorded yes in response to confirm your purchase agreement. So, like you, this is Hondo's widgets. Can you hear me? Yes. Then what happens is you get charged by Hondo's widgets for $1,000 for something. You dispute it, and they say, no, no, look, here, we've got the recording. You know, we made the sales pitch, and here's, here's what the person said. Yes. So um, the, the advice that the Better Business Bureau gives is hang up on any unsolicited robocall. My advice would be if you don't recognize the number, don't, you know, just that's, that's why, why, God, why God made, you know, caller ID. But, you know, hang up on any unsolicited robocall. Avoid responding with anything affirmative like yes or sure or okay. And then hang up, um, hang up, you know, right away. So there, just so everybody understands, there are people out there trying to figure out ways to separate you from your money. And every day when you think you've heard it all, well, they, they come up with another way. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes. All right, the, the editorial boards of lots of papers are going nuts when it comes to redistricting. And what do you think about increasing the retirement age? Stick around. It's all coming up. 1059, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right. If you are down in the city of Chicago starting well, tomorrow, tomorrow, or February 1st, that's Wednesday, right? That is Wednesday, right? Um, the days just kind of all run together. If you are, but, you know, we're almost through January here. You know, two more days and today and tomorrow. Um, I understand there's a forecast for a little bit of snow this afternoon and the evening. One to two inches in Milwaukee and south, maybe a little bit more to the north. But um, after that, no real cold snap. Um, again, seasonal weather, no snow on the horizon, significant snowstorms. Um, we're, we're probably still going to get hit sometime. But we're now into February, and you know we're getting closer to pitchers and catchers reporting, getting closer to spring. Isn't that going to be good? But anyhow, if you are down in Chicago starting on Wednesday and you go into any retail store be prepared because february 1st is when chicago's new bag tax takes uh, effect now what the concern is the folks in chicago the powers that be were worried that too many people were taking plastic bags and they then would use them. The plastic bags would end up in landfills, and it's all these problems. So what they are trying to do is they are trying to encourage slash force people to bring their own bags, their reusable bags. So here's the, day, here's the way it works. Starting on Wednesday, a checkout tax of $0.07 cents per
per bag is going to be added at all Chicago retailers. Now, typically, what's happened is, you know, bags have been free. You, you, you're in line at the grocery store. They say, do you want paper or plastic? You say, I want paper, I want plastic, whatever. And, and the, the bag, the cost of the bag is sort of rolled into the overall cost that the grocery store has of doing business. Um, no more. Here's what's going to happen down in Chicago. First of all, this bag tax, which is $0.07 cents per bag, applies to both paper and plastic. So if you, you know, ask for paper, you're actually going to be paying a $0.07 cents tax per bag. It's also $0.07 cents per bag, not purchase. So if you buy a lot of stuff at the grocery store and you've got five bags, it's going to be $0.35, cents, you know, not just $0.07. Cents. In addition to that, the stores have the ability to decide whether they are going to pass that on to you or whether they're going to absorb the cost. And many of the big stores, Walgreens, Jewel Osco, Whole Foods, CVS, PetSmart, TJ Maxx, they've all said that the shoppers are going to foot the bill. So they're very, very clear. If you need X number of bags, we are going to charge you. And the whole idea being, well, we want to encourage people to bring these reusable bags and um, avoid this tax. We want to be good for the environment. All right, 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Now, $0.07 for a bag doesn't necessarily seem like it's going to be a deal breaker but on the other hand if you you know if you shop regularly and you're talking four or five bags you know 35 if you go to the grocery store twice a week or whatever you know four or five bags seven cents a bag it does in fact you know start to add up so this is what they're doing in chicago and like i say it applies to both paper and plastic if you don't bring your own bags, you are going to be charged, and most of the retailers are going to pass that charge along to you. How would this go over here? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. If you were charged for the bags, plastic or paper, doesn't make any difference, would that cause you to, I don't know, try to shop somewhere else? Should Communities around here, city of Milwaukee, city of Waukesha, Port Washington, should should they impose bag taxes in an effort to try to encourage people to be more environmentally responsible? 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1113, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 11.15, Jeff Wagner, 6.20, WTMJ. Super Bowl week begins, and Packer fans started to recover from the NFC Championship loss. Can you even enjoy the game? Matt Pauley opens the discussion on Sports Central, 6.15. If you are in Chicago starting Wednesday, and you it doesn't matter if you're in a Walgreens store or you're at a TJ Maxx store or you're at a grocery store, and they ask you paper or plastic, you will pay a seven-cent charge per bag. Doesn't matter whether it's paper or plastic. The idea is to encourage shoppers to bring in their own recyclable bags. Um, will it work? 
would it work here? Should we have ordinances that force it? And it's up to the retailer as to whether or not they want to eat the charge or whether they want to pass it on to consumers. Most of the major retailers are saying, no, we're going to pass it on to consumers. So, you know, if you're going through the line and it's five bags, you know, you're going to get charged an extra 35 cents. 414-799-1620 is the number. Let's start with Carl in Wauwatosa. Carl, good morning. Hi, good morning. Two quick points I want to make. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Um, One is you've gone into the business and you've made the purchase. You've gathered all your things. Uh, No one ever said you were entitled to a bag to begin with, so Mm -hmm. that's quick point number one. Uh, Quick point number two is I actually work for a company, which I'm not going to name on the air, in which we are actually instructed not to even ask the customer if they would require a bag and wait for the customer to actually request a bag in an effort to try and save on resources. Not so much cost, but just to be more green. Um, and I get, well, I guess with, without going into detail, the nature of your, I mean, the, the nature of your business is such that people, the, the items they're purchasing, they, they could, they could take away without a bag as opposed, I mean, obviously if you're in a grocery yeah. store and you're buying 10 or 12 things, you're, you're going to need sure. a bag one way or the other. Sure, yeah. In, in the case of the grocery store, I mean, I, I, I totally agree on, uh, on the, the point you were making earlier, that, that people should really get in the habit of bringing their own bags, because, again, no one's really entitled to a bag. Right. Uh, but, yes, the nature of my business is in the case where people are generally taking one or two items where they may just throw right. in the bag, get home and throw the bag away anyway. Well, yeah, see, I, think, I mean, see, that happens to me sometime, right, at, at the hardware store. If, I, if I'm going in and buying, and, and actually the hardware store I go to, they ask if you want a bag with it or not for... For, for for most of the small stuff, if, if I'm if I'm going going into the hardware store and I'm buying, oh, the other day I, I went in and I bought like four or five little packs of these the, the, these light bulbs and and, and they, they asked they said do you want a bag or not and I said no I don't I don't need one because it's exactly the point you were making Carl I, I just I, I can hold all these these are like these small light bulbs that you use in outdoor you know low voltage lighting things and you know I, I could hold all four or five of the things right in my hand and there wasn't any need for a bag so I mean right I, I, I said no but they weren't going to charge me for it I guess to me the interesting thing is you know would would people revolt for this and if you had one retailer let's assume for the sake of argument that it wasn't a mandatory sort of thing if you had one retailer that was going to charge for the bags and one that wasn't would would that make a difference now the big picture is i understand it's peanuts you're talking about seven cents a bag so again five bags 35 cents 414-799-1620 let's talk to brian and Waukesha. brian you're at 620 wtmj yeah good morning Jeff. good morning brian. Taking my call. thanks for calling um yeah, well, I, oh, no problem, no problem. Um, anyway, I, w- you know, I go to Aldi's all the time, mm-hmm. and when I forget to bring a box, or they don't have any boxes available, because they always leave boxes on the, you know, out, out in the aisle right. for people to grab and stuff, um, I generally have to pay for a bag. Okay. You know, so either, I usually either grab a, um, a paper bag or a, pla- a couple plastic bags or something like that, and it's like um, nickel, seven cents, something like that. I don't know about a, a state-imposed, tax or whatever to get people to do that, but if the stores would just volunteer, I think they, they would see um, a huge savings in some of their overhead. So you don't, you don't mind, you don't feel like you're being ripped off if you have to pay for a bag when you're shopping at Aldi's? No, not at okay. all. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, it's just the cost of doing business. You know, sometimes you have, if I forget a bag, you know, it's no big deal. It's a nickel, seven cents, like I said, and, right. you know, um, Okay, no, I'm sorry, your, your cell phone's kind of dropping out there. Yeah, well, I mean, and obviously, 
at some obviously look the cost of, of bags whether they're paper or plastic is is overhead and it's built in you know to what you're being charged in the overall cost of stuff now this is this though is a specific seven cent tax on top of that let's talk to uh let's see carla on the south side carla good morning you're on 620 wtmj good morning thank you so much um, this I, I picked up the phone right away because I am fully in favor of this. We lived um, more than 25 years ago in Germany where this was already um, taking hold and just got back from a trip to London where stores are now charging. They cannot give a bag away. They must charge right. for it. And um, coincidentally, a piece on the, the BBC News one evening was, that a study is being launched to determine the effect of microplastics on human health. We think of plastics as being not biodegradable, but they do get, you know, bags get caught in trees, they blow in the wind, they tear, they do deteriorate into these micro, whatever you want to call it, size particles, which get into our food and water. And Carla, do you think effect. this would, do you think... Uh, let's look at Chicago. For example, they're they're going to charge seven cents now. Mm-hmm. Do you think that will change people's habits? Because I, I have to tell you, but I mean, I, I hate shopping to begin with. But I, I just I can't see me driving around with a bunch of reusable bags. I just can't see me doing that. Well, shame on you. Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll live with. You. I'll I'll live with that. <laughs> I'll, I'll live with that. But I can't see myself mm-hmm. doing that. And and I guess seven cents isn't enough to make me change my habits. Do you think no problem. Do you think people will change their habits or no? I, I don't know. I think some will because one of the effective ways that we can change people's behavior is to hit them in their pocketbook. Hmm. And, you know, if you see eventually seven times, you know, five every week for a year and times ten years or whatever, um, it does mount up. Um, I just, on principle, am one that... Um, uh, long before it was fashionable to be green, um, we grew up where you right. did not waste anything. And th- and we have long since lost that perspective. I, Even the greenest generation living does not have that attitude. No, thanks for call. I, I appreciate it. She, she's saying, I, I think she was smiling when she said that. But I'm, I'm just, I am being, I am being realistic. That, you know, at least at least for me. Now, if you wanted to change behavior, if you said we're going to charge you, we're going to impose a dollar a bag tax, well, then maybe I'd, I'd think about that. I, I mean, a dollar a bag, yeah. Seven cents a bag. Um, and again, maybe if I don't do that much shopping. I do everything I possibly can to avoid going into, like, retail stores and things like that. If I... If you said a dollar a bag, yeah, that would probably be enough to change my behavior. Seven cents a bag over two or three bags, so it's going to be less than a quarter. That's not going to change my behavior. It's not enough to do that, but uh, maybe I'm unique there. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, we've got uh, Steve in Reedsville. Steve, you're on 620 WTMJ. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think it's, uh, you know, you need at least a dollar or something a bag. Seven cents isn't going to change your behavior. No, no yeah. it ain't going to change my behavior, and I'm, and maybe that, that's too bad. But <laughs> I also see that you go to more and more of these stores, and they've taken away a lot of things. I had experienced this up in Canada, and not only the bag thing, but they don't even have carts in the store. You have to bring your cart out from the store, out in the parking lot into it. That's your responsibility. So I don't know. I just see the customers. I'm sorry. They, they, what, what do they do with carts? What happens? No carts in the store. 
So if you want a cart, you bring it from the parking lot out. Okay. From the parking lot back into the store kind of deal. Okay, and so then theoretically you you leave your cart in the parking lot, and then the next person grabs the cart there, huh? Okay. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe that's the way they've always done it in Canada or something, but it it just seems like a little customer service stuff is just slipping away all the time and i think the bag thing is the same way you know you know of course we got to bag our own stuff now and, right you know and i don't know does it save a lot of money or is or doesn't it i i don't know that well i mean i, I think the idea is the environment thanks for guys it's like it's like carla was saying i think the idea is the the environment and they want to encourage all of us to drive around with the, those reusable you know, cloth bags. And I, I look, and I have nothing against that. I mean, there, there are some issues when you buy the red meat and you kind of get the juices and stuff in there. But, I mean, that, that's the idea. We're, if, if we want to be green, you're going to drive around, and we're all going to carry, anywhere we go someplace, we're going to carry a, a bunch of those, you know, recyclable bags, the cloth bags, and we're going to pack them up and we're going to reuse them. And that that's all well and good if people want to do it. A, a seven-cent charge per bag isn't going to be enough to motivate me to to do that. Um, let's talk to Tony on the south side. Tony, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. So my question is, is how will that affect, like, the, the Quickie Mart <laughs> uh, sales when you're using food stamps and such of that nature? Like, how will that affect those people? I, Tony, I am so glad you called because the story I am looking at, that is the last sentence of the story. The tax does not apply to bags used to carry items purchased with federal food stamp benefits like those received through the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. So you want to talk about a loophole that you could drive a Mack truck through. Right. If, if if I pay for it with my cash, if I buy stuff with cash, I pay for it. If I'm on food stamps, the tax doesn't apply. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. Right, the tax doesn't apply. Yes, so yeah, <laughs> I just that that was I, I didn't want to distract from the overall conversation by throwing that detail in, but I am so glad you opened because right, if you pay for it with food stamps, the tax doesn't apply. So you get as many of the plastic bags or paper bags as you want, but if you're paying for it out of your own pocket, then the tax applies. Go figure, I'm not huh? Not sure how that's beneficial, but okay. <laughs> oh, that, no, I, I'm, I'm, thanks. I'm, I'm not sure how it's beneficial either. And again, I knew, I, I, I hesitated throwing that detail out at the start of the conversation because I know it would sidetrack the entire discussion into that. But yes, if you want, if you want the exception for everybody who's sitting there thinking, oh, this is great, Chicago's going green and all these things, if you pay for your items with food stamps. Then the bag tax doesn't apply, so you can destroy the earth all you want. Just go, go figure. It's eleven twenty-seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. Can't make this stuff up. It's eleven thirty-four. Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. Just a quick reminder: we do podcast all the shows once. We started in a new time slot. That was one of the big questions we got. Are you going to be podcasting the shows? And yes, we do. And there, you can uh, go to WTMJ.com, the Jeff Wagner Show page, and. You can check it out. You can also, you know, download them. We've got them all archived up there. You can download them. You can sign up for the notifications so you automatically get them next every time something new is uh, put on. It's um, just a lot of fun. It's a way to help you keep track of the, the show. I was telling. I started off the program by saying, and it has not gotten better. I noticed this morning. I came in. I've got this bad case of hat head, and it's just not getting any better at all. I've got some interviews to do, and it's just it's one of those things where you, you get up early in the morning, and you're taking the dog out, and your hair's still wet after you're taking a shower, and the thing was, 
okay, do I put on the ski cap or not? And I just decided comfort was better than appearance. But this morning was a particularly bad morning for that. All right. I have a, um, growing up, I had a very, very dear friend, my friend John, who um, passed away, gosh, going on two years ago, cancer sucks. But, um, you know, we, we were we were close friends. We um, just, he was part of my hangout gang, or I was part of his hangout gang for years and years and years and years. We were friends since fifth grade. And all, during his entire life, John had an allergy to tree nuts. Um, and it, it was interesting, it wasn't, it wasn't peanuts. Peanuts grow in the ground. But, you know, tree nuts, like walnuts, you know, most, most nuts grow on trees. And he, he, John could eat peanuts. It was the weirdest thing. He could eat peanuts. But, you know, tree nuts, my gosh. I mean, you know, he carried an EpiPen. I, I saw him. You had to – I really learned how careful you had to be, particularly with desserts, because it's amazing how many desserts people will put nuts in and you won't even realize it. And, I mean, I can remember one, two occasions, two occasions where – uh, there were like nuts in these desserts, and I, honest to God, thought you know it, it was he it just he puffed up and couldn't breathe. It was just just absolutely awful. So, having seen these reactions, I am very very sensitive to this. And again, my friend had the allergy to tree nuts, um, but but peanuts, if anything, peanuts. Uh, a lot of people have severe allergies to peanuts, and while nuts in general are ubiquitous, the the, the peanuts. I mean, think of. Think of how much, how many, whether it's going to the baseball game and eating peanuts or peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I mean, just think of how many people eat peanuts and how common that is. Well, there, story in the New York Times the other day, there has started out, there, there's a, a war. Maybe that's an overused term, but uh, there, there really, it's kind of a war that is breaking out between airlines and people who suffer from nut allergies. And what's happening on some airlines is they are saying that if they find out that you, or a lot of times it's kids that you're traveling with, have severe allergies to nuts, particularly peanut allergies, um, they they won't let you on the plane. They, they won't let you fly. Um, let me just share part of the story with you. Roseanne Bloom and her family had just settled into their seats on a flight from Philadelphia to Turks and Caicos Islands on Christmas morning when two airline employees ordered Dr. Bloom, her husband, and the two boys off the plane. Their luggage had already been removed. The problem, Dr. Bloom had informed the crew that her teenage sons had severe nut allergies. I said... We have our medicine, we've brought our own food, and we're comfortable staying on, staying on the plane. I offered to sign a waiver, said Dr. Bloom. We were off the plane in two minutes. Spokesperson for American Airlines said the decisions are left to the pilot. The pilot determined it would be best for the family not to travel based on the severity of the allergy and the need to divert the airline if anyone were eating nuts. Airline character carriers have a long tradition of serving peanuts on flights and often serve little else. Um, but, of course, you know, here's, here's the deal, especially if you have somebody who has a nut allergy who can, you know, just by touching a surface that's been exposed to someone who's touched peanuts can have that allergy. So let, let's say, you know, let, let's say, you know, you're a teenager, you're on the airplane, you've got one of these severe nut allergies, you go back to use the bathroom and you, you grab a couple, you know, seats because the plane jostles, or you, you know, you, you touch the outside handle of 
of the bathroom, you know, you can have this reaction. And so for some of these airlines, even if they don't serve peanuts on the plane, they are saying if you've got a severe nut allergy, we're 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 just not gonna let you fly because we are concerned that we might have to divert or whatever. And this is the, the latest thing. The Congress right now has prohibited the Department of Transportation from imposing any restrictions. That is, um, stopping the airline from being able to do exactly this, saying, hey, look, we, you know, we, we just don't want to take the risk of having you or your kids fly if they have this severe nut allergy. And as you might expect, a lot of families or individuals that suffer from these things, they're saying, hey, that's unfair. We are being discriminated against. You know, you shouldn't be able to say we can't fly because we've got these allergies. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Obviously, the travelers are saying, hey, look, you know, we, 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 we want to be able to fly on the planes. We want you to know we've got these allergies, but, you know, we're willing to take the risk. And in some cases, the airlines are saying, that's fine. You might be willing to take the risk, but we can't guarantee your safety on this plane. And so we're not willing to take the risk. Should airlines be able to say no to people who travel with severe allergies to common things like peanuts or tree nuts? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. And how do you accommodate th- this, this tension that's there? And if you're somebody that suffers from you know one of these severe allergies or have kids that do, what do you think about this? We discuss next. It's 1141. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1143. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So here's the deal. This couple get gets on a flight in Philadelphia. Um, they're traveling with their two teenage sons who both have severe allergies to nuts. They, they tell the flight crew they have severe allergies to nuts. The pilot says, well, I'm sorry, you're gonna have, we're, we're not going to let you fly because we can't guarantee that there's not going to be somebody on this plane that's had nuts or might have brought nuts on with them or whatever. And if you have your kids have an allergic reaction, we're going to have to divert the plane. Sorry, you're not going to be allowed to fly. Should airlines be allowed to do this? Mike and Grafton. Mike, you're first. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Jeff? I am well, thank you. Okay, is this are, are airlines going too far? Yes. Okay. I have a 13-year-old daughter who's allergic to nuts. She doesn't have the severe reaction like some kids do. They can't even right. breathe the same air. Right. But if I were on an airplane and they told me that I had to get off, I would be livid. Mm-hmm. Are they refunding the people for their airfare? What are they doing for compensation on the other end? I fly a couple of times a year, and you have your reservations in line for when that plane gets in, your rental car, your hotel, whatever right. it is you're doing. If you're going to say, I can't fly, well, then how am I going to get to my destination where I already have reservations? Well, you let know, me ask you about the broader doing... concept. And I, and I understand everything you're saying, but let's look at it from the airline's perspective. You have somebody that, in this case, severe allergic reactions. So they're sitting there thinking, we cannot guarantee the safety of the, these people. What happens if the kids have an allergic reaction in mid-flight, then we have to turn around or we have to divert or, or whatever? I mean, how is the airline supposed to handle that? Just like they do if they have somebody who has a heart attack. If they have a medical emergency on a plane, then you deal with it. But to single out an allergy and say you can't fly, 
maybe they shouldn't simply shouldn't, shouldn't allow nuts on a plane. They can't smoke on a plane anymore. Well, of course, that, I mean, right, of course, you know, for some people, and it, it, thankfully it doesn't sound like it's quite your daughter's situation. For some people, it's no, not even no. just, it's not even like eating the nut. It's just like touching a surface that somebody else who had, you know, nuts, who had eaten nuts, you know, touches. Okay, thanks, you. I appreciate the perspective. 414-799-1620. Now, actually, the air, that's what the airlines are saying. If, if we have somebody in the air who has this severe allergic reaction, and I'm talking severe, you know, we, we do have to treat it like a medical emergency, like a heart attack, which might mean we have to divert or turn around or whatever. We, we don't want to go into that, you know. So, but, of course, I appreciate the other side of this, which is then how do you do this? Now, some airlines have, like, buffer zones, but even with that, there, there's no guarantee that somebody who's gotten on the plane or, like I say, is walking back to the bathroom and touches a seat or something like that, that they can't leave the, those oils or the secretions that are there. Jan in South Milwaukee. Jan, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, that the, I don't think the airline is discriminating. I think that they're really looking out for the safety of the passenger and the liability of the airline because, you know, how do they differentiate? And and also, you know, that kind of opens up a new avenue for airlines to make an extra buck off of if there is right. now going to be an airline that flies right. peanut allergy-free, right. you know, like nut-free kind of thing. That That's a different approach that a different airline could take and, yeah. and um, you know, plus the free market kind of work. But as far as risk goes, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can not sympathize with an airline when they're saying we can't guarantee the safety of your child. Right. It's an inconvenience and it kind of stinks, but wouldn't the safety of your child be the first priority in the first anyway? Well, I think, well, I guess I, I do, in this story, I mean, I, I do think a legitimate beef that the travelers have with American Airlines is they apparently did not disclose this policy in advance. You know, so, I mean, the the the, 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 the mom and dad do everything right. They say, hey, you know, the, the kids have a nut allergy. We just want to make you aware of that. And then and only then they find out that, you know, the, the pilot's not going to let them fly. I mean, I so I, I think... I do think right, that if you get that, I think they yeah. should have some policy that's written on the when you're buying right. the tickets, or so you know, like that, because the inconvenience of being on the plane and that's yeah. when you find out, right? Yeah, it, I get that part. Right. No, thanks. Exactly. So, I mean, I think I think that's a that is a legitimate beef. If if you if you're not going to allow people who have these allergies onto your planes, you you need I, I think to disclose that up front. So I'm sympathetic with that. Of course. You know, I'm also so that that I think is a fair criticism of the airline. These people did not know that, and they also said, "Hey, we're willing to take the risks." Now I understand that there's only so much of a waiver you can give because, again, if some you get up in the air and you're at you know 35,000 feet and you're over the Atlantic Ocean and the, the child starts having this monster allergic reaction and can't breathe, it doesn't matter whether mom and dad have signed a waiver or not. The pilot's still going to have to treat that as you know, a medical emergency. Now, I guess one of the things I'd be curious about is is how widespread a problem is this really? I mean, how, how many people travel with nut allergies that have actually had those allergic reactions? Let's talk to Robert in Sheboygan. Robert, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. I agree with the airline on this one. Um, the fact that what about all the other passengers if this plane does get diverted? Now, they have to reschedule, you know, right. everything, hotel, car, right. possibly another flight. Um, I think the airline does have the right to necessarily discriminate, but 
refuse service to someone which may jeopardize the entire airplane, not and all the passengers. What not if the traveler? Food. What if the traveler is willing to sign a waiver? That's what mo- mom and dad say. We're willing to sign a waiver. We've got an EpiPen. Don't worry about it. We'll deal with it if something happens. I think they should be allowed to fly, but I still think it's up to the airline or you know, the discretion of the yeah. proprietor or company who's taking these yeah. people's lives into their hands. Yeah. Well, right, because again, even if, like I say, even if you, even if you sign a waiver, that, that that's okay. So what's so you got? If you've got some twelve-year-old kid who can't breathe, and <laughs> you know, even if there's a waiver, I mean, the pilots, the pilots not going to let the kid die on the plane. The pilots going to say, okay, we're going to divert, we're going to do whatever we can to land and get him some medical treatment right away. Yeah. Uh, so does that does that negate the liability of the airline, even though they signed a waiver? Yeah, probably, probably not. Right, right. Thanks. For, right, probably not. And and more important, in a real world, waiver or not, I mean, if I'm a pilot on an airplane, I, I don't care if somebody signed a waiver. If I find that there's a, like a 13-year-old who's having this allergic reaction and can't breathe and might be dead, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say, okay, we've got another 45 minutes of the flight. I'm going to be, okay, how can I put this bird down as quickly as possible? Let's call ahead and let's get a doctor there. So the airline is in this no-win situation as well. Let's talk to uh, David and Raymond. David, you're on 620 WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Uh, good morning. Uh, morning. Yeah, I think you already brought the topic. I was thinking sign a waiver uh, to at least take care of legal liabilities, but there still would be a financial cost in case someone has a real bad problem up in the air. Because okay. you are going to have to. La- I mean, as a practical matter, yeah. waiver or not, you're you're, you're not going to let yeah. somebody die yeah. on a plane. Yeah. 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 It's a it's a it's a practical uh, issue. Uh, you know, and the the bulk of the costs are uh, taking off and landing. So suddenly you're doubling those costs for the airline. Maybe some kind of uh, insurance surcharge. I don't know if that will be legal, Yeah, but something to account for that. I can't help but think that uh, airlines have a lot of experience and know how many people they may have not allowed fly because of that or how many time, how many instances um, over a given time period they actually did experience that. So I right. would think that they have some kind of basic statistical information they could use to yeah, and it's um, very small calculation yeah, and yeah. Th- thank you i mean it's i mean it's it's very small i was while we were talking i was just looking this up um okay uh, they, they estimate that about 3.6 b as in billion passengers fly each year medical emergencies are relatively uncommon the most common ones are heart attacks chest pain and cardiovascular events that's the big that's the most common reason um let's see there's an estimate. These are these are all estimates about allergic reactions make up fewer than four percent of all in-flight medical emergencies, and that's all allergic reactions. That's not that's not nut reactions. That's allergic reactions. So you really you know statistically you have very very few medical emergencies to begin with. Thank the Lord. And then of the medical emergencies that you do have, allergic reactions is a microscopic percentage, but you know, at, at the same time, if you're the pilot and you know about this, um, it, it, it is a concern. I think at the very least that if airlines are going to have this policy, that there might be some issue with you being allowed. See, this is one where can't we all get along? I, if I were me, and some airlines do this, I would allow, for example, the parents to come on early and to sort of wipe down the seat areas where the kids are going to be. 
Um, that doesn't solve everything, but it's probably a big step in that direction. I would also, if you're going to toss people off planes because of this, I, I do think in big, bold letters, you know, when you're selling tickets, you need to announce what your policy is regarding these allergies. And again, just so people know, because the, the effect of this is if you want to fly, it might encourage people just to not disclose the fact that they've got allergies. So, so then, then you get up in the air, and it, it's too late. And that doesn't strike me as being good public policy at all. This is going to be hashed out because there's this group that's pushing Congress to actually treat this as, as discrimination and to ban this practice on airlines. I'm not sure Congress is going to go along with that, but this is one of the big hot issues. It is 11.54. Coming up next, we'll find out what the guys on WTMJ Today have in store. Stick around. 11.54. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 11.57, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Another quick reminder, we podcast the show. You can go to WTMJ.com. You can download the podcasts, um, including our, our three big things that we start every show off with, links to some really, really interesting videos, so check those all out. Well, we've reached that point on Monday morning where I don't have to go home, but I can't stay here because Eric Bilstead is in with WTMJ Today. You're wearing Badger's colors. Did you lose a bet today? Or? No, it's, 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 it's actually my Lee Sherman Dreyfus, like I, Mr. Rogers <laughs> vest. I, I have a whole bunch of different sweater vests, and today it just happens to be red. Okay, so. all right. I wasn't sure because of the Marquette laws or something. I don't know. Oh, you just you just couldn't let this oh, go. Not, by. Oh, I yes, yes. I, would, I was asking. at the Marquette game on, on Saturday afternoon, and I was one of these that – you know, I was afraid they were going to come out flat after the big win against Villanova. And, yes, somebody needed to tell the team that the game started at 1, yeah, not right, at, right, like, 2.35. Right. But thanks for bringing that up, I, Eric. I, I shouldn't have asked. I apologize. Yes, big day today. John St. Augustine will join us in studio. Hello, John. Good morning, gentlemen. Glad to be with you today. What's on the agenda? Well, immigration, the ban, of course, this is the big deal right now. This is what everyone is talking about. So John and I started discussing this a little bit. We're trying to lift the lid on this mm-hmm. a little bit to determine what exactly this is, what it means, how it's been done before, if it's been done before, what are the logistics at the airport because of something like this, and how many more executive orders will there be? I mean, all right. of these questions need to be answered. I think one of the – regardless of how you feel about the temporary ban – I think it is legitimate to criticize the way it was implemented because it sounds it sounds like nobody had a clue right. as to whether does this apply to people with green cards who are out of the U.S. but are on the way back because that that's what the big thing was over the weekend. You have folks who are residents in this country. They're trying to get back in, and all of a sudden, they're getting jacked up at the airport. You had the Homeland Security Department trying to translate what they thought maybe the order meant. Right. When, when that's something that you could just communicate and, and get through, and they just didn't do well, it. Well, I'm not even sure anybody necessarily – I'm not even sure that, that people had thought that through when they rolled it out, which yeah. I think is an issue. In any event, stick around. That's coming up on WTMJ Today. I'm out of time, but I am back 8.30 tomorrow morning when we do this all again. Stay warm. Drive carefully. If you're driving in areas where there is snow, this is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ.